0: This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts. Squaring off on legal news and legal observations, Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on The Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to The Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams from sunny but still smoldering Southern California.
2: And this is Bob Ambrogi from the capital of Red Sox Nation, uh, Boston, Massachusetts. I write a blog called Law Sites and a blog called Media Law.
1: And I write a blog called May It Please the Court. And frankly, Bob, nobody here in Southern California even noticed the World Series last week. We were so busy dealing with wildfires that ripped through the parts of Southern California last week, destroying virtually anything in their path and leaving many homeless. In fact, in my particular circumstance... I had fires lapping up against the block wall outside my housing complex here in Irvine, and my small cabin up in the mountains got spared by only about five or six homes.
2: Yeah, it was it was certainly tragic, Craig, and I, I know that you both uh, wrote about it and, and posted some pictures on your blog, and also some pictures, uh, I believe it was your web designer took, uh, some really dramatic pictures on your blog, so I encourage our listeners to go check those out.
1: Well, the fires pretty much moved at a very rapid speed. In the first day, my calculations were up in the mountains that they were moving at the rate of 10 acres an hour in terms of burning. Um, but today, we're going to be talking to some law firms clustered in Carmel Valley down in San Diego, including Shepard, Mullen, Richter, and Hampton. Uh, some other law firms that were affected by it include Latham & Watkins, uh, Morrison & Forrester, Cooley Godward, and, uh, and Fish Richardson. They faced mandatory evacuations since last Monday. Attorneys and staff members from those offices have been forced from their homes as well.
2: So today we're going to, talk, uh, we're going to get some first-hand accounts of, uh, of this. We're going to talk about how law firms coped with and are coping with the disaster. We're going to talk about some of the legal issues surrounding the fires, uh, questions about media, helicopter interference, fire suppression efforts, FEMA's response, and and take a look at what's ahead for some of the firms uh, affected by the fires and some of the citizens of California affected by the fire.
1: Well, I'd like to welcome our first guest, Attorney Mark Zabrowski. Mark is the managing partner of the San Diego office. His practice includes real estate, consumer class action, Section 17200 litigation, uh, professional liability, partnership, and shareholder disputes, as well as general commercial litigation matters. Attorney Zabrowski has practiced in San Diego for over 23 years. Morrison & Forster has opened up its Orange County office, uh, nearby my office here, uh, for the some San Diego refugees. Since the Del Mar Heights offices haven't burned, voicemail and servers are apparently still accessible from other locations and Morrison & Forster has also published a fairly extensive handbook for fire victims available on their website. Welcome to the show, Mark.
2: Thank you. And our next guest today is Katie Parker. Uh, Katie is also uh, with the San Diego office of Morrison Forster, where she's an associate and a member of the firm's litigation group. Her practice focuses on patent litigation and intellectual property law. Uh, Katie uh, has drafted dispositive motions, appellate briefs, taken and defended depositions, and and made court appearances in complex civil litigation matters involving patent, trade, secret, breach of contract, unfair competition, and related claims. Uh, uh, Most pertinent to this program, Katie, has headed up uh, the office's effort to uh, produce a relief manual for citizens in Southern California, and uh, we'll talk more about that manual. Welcome to the show, Katie.
3: Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: And our next guest
1: is attorney Dan Hull. He's a litigator and a lobbyist and practices in the areas of commercial litigation, environmental law, legislative affairs. He's twice worked for the U.S. Congress. First as a legislative assistant in health and environmental policy for Senator Gaylord Nelson, a Democrat from Wisconsin, and later as a legislative assistant to Representative Bill Gratison, a Republican from Ohio, in the areas of energy and the environment. In 1992, Dan founded the firm now known as Hull McGuire which does corporate tax and transactions, litigation, and intellectual property. Hall McGuire works both domestically and internationally with a focus on Western Europe. The firm has offices in D.C., Pittsburgh, and San Diego. Dan is a fellow blogger, Bob. Uh, His blog is called What About Clients. It's at whataboutclients.com and is about the art of making clients both safe and happy blog puts special emphasis on how corporate boutique firms can get and keep Fortune 500 companies as clients. Welcome to the show, Dan.
4: Great to be here.
1: Well, Mark and Katie, let's uh, start with your experience, and you had to evacuate your offices in San Diego, and in the meantime, uh, work out of the Orange County office, and uh, all the while producing a a tremendously helpful relief manual for uh, people to use. Tell us what happened in your circumstance.
5: Well, uh, I'll start. I got up, you know, the fires had already started, so I got up Monday morning, uh, particularly early, and learned that the area around the office, including the office, was evacuated. So I came in to check out how things were going here. And then, of course, we had to communicate with our employees. It was easy to make a decision to close the office. Uh, But the trick was to try to keep people posted on what was happening, try to learn what was happening to our people so that uh, we could see what their needs were and try to make sure we were taking care of them. And then also, you know, despite the circumstances, you do have things like you know patent filing deadlines and uh, filing deadlines in courts throughout the nation that you still need to meet. And so we had to very quickly jump on a lot of things. And uh, at the same time, all of our employees, since it was a Monday morning, we were locked out of here. Uh, employees and lawyers didn't have access to things like files, computers, telephones, the things we kind of take for granted every day. So... Uh, some of the staff people really did a tremendous job helping me get my arms around things and uh, get the word out to people and still do what we needed to do for our uh, for our clients and having other offices around the country and around the state is a huge advantage for a firm like us in a situation like that because we can roll our communications over to Orange County we can have help from Orange County, Los Angeles, San Francisco, etc. to meet things like filing deadlines so a lot of things to jump on fast.
2: And, and Katie, uh, tell us about your experience and also uh, how your firm uh, has, has responded to what's been going on there.
3: Well, I had a similar experience in, in terms of knowing Sunday evening that the fires were burning, kind of keeping an eye on the news, waking up Monday morning to find out that the office was in an evacuation area. I didn't live in an evacuation area. However, I do live on a canyon. I live on, in University City. So because I have two little kids that um, would take some time to pack up and get things ready to evacuate, I took the precaution of packing up important things and necessities for the kids in case we were in an evacuation zone. And then throughout the course of the week, spent some time working from home, taking care of client needs, making sure nothing went um, unnoticed at any deadlines or anything like that didn't pass. And um, my main... my My main complication personally was that my daughter's in a preschool that was closed because she's on the campus of the University of San Diego, so I had to work out child care and was able to use the firm's backup child care option for the rest of the week so that I was able to get some work done, including work on our handbook.
5: I would pass on a couple other thoughts. Um, First of all, our office and and the other firms you mentioned are located in an area that you would not really ever expect to be in fire danger. So uh, it was... It's not as though we thought, well, here it comes. Uh, everybody was a little bit surprised to be evacuated from this area. Uh, the other thing is, you know, when, if you, as you've read, somewhere between half a million and a million people in town were evacuated. That's a lot of our lawyers and a lot of our employees. They happen to live in, in the evacuated areas. And so communication becomes a real difficult uh, issue. And the last thing I would say in terms of other firms out there is the more that you can possibly be prepared for the expected and the unexpected, the better off you are. We, we do have a lot of disaster planning and backup systems in place at our firm, and uh, they worked very, very well. And, uh, you know, no matter what you plan for, something different from that happens. You don't plan for the office being closed but intact, but people being evacuated from their homes. Yet that's what, we ha- that's what happened. So, you know, prepare and prepare again.
1: Dan, tell us about your experience. What happened to you during the fires?
4: My experience was um, much like uh, Mark's and and Katie's in the sense that our first concern, of course, was our own families, the people that live here in San Diego, and we only have four people in the San Diego office, if you exclude me. They live, however, in in Rancho Bernardo, La Jolla, Scripps Ranch, and and Solana Beach, so nobody was going into work, uh, and there was a a great deal of concern about um, where people were uh, nobody went into work uh, downtown. We're in the uh, Merrill Lynch Building, often known as the Darth Vader Building, down on, on B Street. So you could, if you could get down there, you'd be okay, but most people could not. I was out for two weeks, so I kept getting reports from people and calls about what's going on there. Um, and, and after that, kind of settled out that you know people were worried about clients and, like, how are we going to get this stuff done? So people did that primarily from homes while they were waiting to find out whether they were going to be evacuated or not. And in some cases, uh, we had somebody go—I think—to uh, Maui and work from there, which is pretty nice duty if you can get it. But we concentrated first on our own families. The people who were here, and then, uh, of course, the client work.
2: Mark, I wonder—we uh, we did a program, uh, obviously, uh, some time ago in the aftermath of, of Katrina, and uh, you're you're talking about. Disaster preparedness uh, were, were, was this a, a policy your firm has had in place for a long time? I mean, were there anything any lessons that came out of Katrina that ended up being applied in this situation?
5: Uh, I I probably can't answer that only in the sense that you know I have the luxury of managing one office for a fairly large institution, so we do have uh, staff people at headquarters, so to speak, that do the. Big picture planning for disaster preparedness and, and and whether they rolled anything in from Katrina or not I, I can't say
2: one one thing your firm has done has has been to to respond by preparing a uh, a manual uh, uh, sort of a legal help manual for residents of Southern California. Katie, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that and and uh, in, in why you did it
3: sure this um A little bit of history, this goes back to September 11th. The initial handbook prepared by our law firm was actually two handbooks in the wake of September 11th for families affected and by businesses affected by the events on September 11th. And those handbooks overviewed a number of legal issues that might arise for those people, and we continued that um, through um, with Katrina and with the 2003 wildfires here in San Diego. So last week, um, a team of attorneys, throughout throughout our firm all over the country, quickly mobilized to update the 2003 Wildfire Handbook. Um, it's a handbook that addresses a number of topics from dealing with housing issues, working with different government agencies, insurance issues, business and employment issues, immigration, and, and then just various um, resource information, phone numbers, and possible resources for assistance um, for victims of these wildfires, and it's meant to be a general guide, a handbook um, to navigate through the the maze of legal issues that arise when you know when someone's house or business is affected by one of these fires.
2: And this is both print and digital, as I see. That's
3: right. It's available on our website, and we are in the process of distributing 5,000 hard copies throughout Southern California. And this is not just for San Diego. This is for people up in the L.A. and Inland Empire areas as well, um, distributing those hard copies to the local assistance centers, to county bar associations, and nonprofit legal aid uh, organizations as well.
5: Well,
1: in your experience, did you find, uh, Dan, that the fires, or Katie, Mark, did did you find that the fires this time around were much worse than the fires in 2003?
4: Um, They were, especially since um, uh, I live and, and have to commute every day from Rancho Bernardo. Um, For some reason, uh, I have been out of town or flying out of town when the fires have started uh, twice now. But this is the first time that it really uh, literally hit close to home in the sense that there's probably, I'm not sure I have the statistics perfectly, but about 350 homes about a mile and a half uh, from uh, my house, which are uh, burned primarily on the western and northern edges of Rancho Bernardo, and that's a new one.
2: Mark, Katie, Dan, what, what about uh, the, uh, I guess, the, the outside-the-office experience? Did, did anybody who works in your firms uh, suffer personal loss? And if so, what, what's the firm's response been to that?
5: Yeah, we're still uh, getting our arms around that a little bit. As I say, we had a lot of people get evacuated. And, in fact, one of my partners evacuated to a friend's house, then they got evacuated from there. Uh, but his house survived. We do have one partner who lost his home in the fire.
1: What kind of – is a firm offering any assistance to that partner or uh, fully insured? uh? Uh,
5: Both. Um, He is insured, and he has a a brother in town. Uh, This particular partner has a wife and two young children, so I've been kind of kidding him that we need to provide support for his brother. But um, he is uh, locating a place to rent, and then that's become a little bit difficult right now as well because a lot of people are looking for a place to rent. And then he's going to regroup and let us know what we can do for him. Right now, he doesn't want to get too bogged down with too much stuff because he's living at his brother's house.
1: We'd like to take a moment here to cover a clip that uh, we've gotten from some of the major television networks as well as some of the local TV stations that were covering the fires very diligently and perhaps in some instances a little too diligently. Uh, At least one network took their evening news into the air. Here's a clip from Charles Gibson uh, opening up his program. Welcome news tonight from the fire lines of
5: Southern California. This is a tragic time for the state of California. Those are the words of Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Twelve to fourteen
1: major fires burning from north of Los Angeles all the way down to the Mexico Well, and as we also know uh, now, there were some 19 fires ultimately that were found. And uh, in the particular instance that I was following up in the Inland Empire... Uh, above in the San Bernardino slide fire, there were reports from traffic scanners dealing with media helicopters. Uh, In one instance, the scanner traffic said uh, it was an air tanker saying, air to ground, I'm at 7,500 feet and quite a bit of smoke over the grass fire, attempting to do recon of the area and being hampered by heavy smoke. Haven't been over the slide fire yet because of the media traffic and heavy smoke in the area. Uh, do you folks in San Diego have any problems with media uh, helicopters interfering with uh, any of the fire suppression efforts from the air?
5: I, I don't know one way or the other. A, a very good friend of mine is a firefighter, and um, I haven't had a chance to touch base with him yet because he's probably catching up on some sleep. But I'm interested to see how that did go from his perspective.
4: In in my case, um, there was... Uh, An interesting issue that came up within Rancho Bernardo, and that is that because of the press coverage and partially because of the rescue efforts, the press coverage and the governor and the president coming into Rancho Bernardo and using part of Westwood as a staging area for both uh, um, politicians and the press, that certain uh, residents in certain districts of Rancho Bernardo could not get back uh, into their homes as early as they would have otherwise, there was some resentment about that which was particularly interesting to me because this is, a, uh, this is certainly Bush country, uh, and there was some resentment about uh, the fact that uh, uh, both the press coverage, which some people think was a little bit uh, uh, overly dramatic, and the appearance of politicians was you know, keeping people from getting back to their normal lives.
2: Dan, we heard Mark talk about the fact that uh, MoFo has, of course, a disaster plan in place. You're a smaller firm. Uh, did you have such a plan? Uh, and, and if so, how did it work? Uh, and uh, what will you be doing going forward uh, that might be different from what, how you were prepared for this uh, event?
4: I think one thing we would do is make sure that everybody knew during the fire seasons, because they, they clearly have them. This is almost like clockwork from four years ago when I was on my way to Europe, and I flew out of a, you know, a plume of smoke. Um, I think it would be probably better in my firm's case if everybody during that time um, was prepared to um, get in touch with each other a little bit more quickly than we could have. Everyone here besides me has been in California for more than five years, so they're more veterans of this kind of thing. To me, being from the the East and the Midwest, uh, this is all very new. But it's not difficult with a, a group of four or five people within San Diego particularly when they have some assistance from people in other cities to, to, you know, respond, get together. But there was some confusion for about 24 hours, and I, I think we'll do, we'll do better next time.
1: Well, Mark, you alluded to some problems with housing. I mean, at one point in time, nearly 900,000 people were evacuated from their homes, and obviously, you know, evacuation centers sprung up. But now after the fires have begun to die down and a significant number of homes have been burned, how's the rental market turning up in San Diego County?
5: You know, I've been reading articles about that in the paper. Um, It was tight to begin with for a variety of reasons, and part of it was uh, a lot of people who were thinking of buying were holding off on buying because of the way the economy is and the interest rates and the housing market and the like. So the rental market was very tight here to begin with. And what you don't read in the paper yet, you read about single-family residences having burned. They really haven't written much about apartment and uh, multifamily situations burning. And so I think there's more people displaced than the number you know, of houses would indicate. And then you know, another complication is if you have a family, you want to rent near where your house was. And in a lot of the areas where people lost their homes, there's not much rental property available. It's primarily single-family owner-occupied areas. So you know, from what I'm seeing and reading and, and learning here, it's very, very difficult for people who are out there trying to find a place to rent fairly long term and then of course if you have kids and pets and what have you it makes it that much more difficult
1: it's time for us to take a short break after this we'll be back with uh, our guests
0: we invite you to visit law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources from daily headlines to practice specific updates law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession as part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Fleets the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day, or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email.
3: If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781 634 8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions
0: on our next show. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's clecenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit for your continuing legal education. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at mayhavepleasethecourt.com, Likewise, Robert Ambrose's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. That's 800 317 5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com.
1: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams.
2: And this is Bob Ambrogi. We're back talking about the recent Southern California fires with our guests Mark Zabrowski and Katie Parker from Morrison Forster in San Diego. Attorney Dan Hall from Hall McGuire in San Diego. Uh, Katie, I wanted to ask you what what are uh, some of the, the major legal issues now? What are some of the major legal needs and are there enough attorneys out there uh, whether pro bono or not to to handle all of this?
3: Well, the people are sort of in a situation right now where the dust is still settling. People are figuring out their housing situation, make you know taking stock of their situation. And legal issues are going to begin to arise. I think some of the major areas that we saw in the wake of the 2003 fires were, of course, insurance issues, people dealing with their insurance companies not happy with the way their claims have been handled, dealing with construction, and then issues related to employment, um, employees who were affected and businesses that were affected and how um, they interacted with each other. Um, there are, I think, I hope there will be quite a number of attorneys and, you know, more than enough attorneys available to provide assistance. The San Diego County Bar Association, in conjunction with two legal aid organizations here, the San Diego Volunteer Lawyer Program and San Diego Legal Aid, are working to provide pro bono legal services to the victims of the wildfires. And all those three organizations are waiving um, financial income requirements that might typically approve apply to the provision of their pro bono legal services, and they're working registering volunteers from firms around the county to uh, agree to take referrals through their programs. So I, I hope that there will be quite a number of attorneys who are participating in that program, and that legal help will be available to everyone who needs
2: So they're that. organizing a panel, and are they getting the word out about this in some way?
3: Exactly. Um, they're publicizing it at the local assistance centers that have been set up through the county. And actually, this is not just San Diego County. Um, there will be a 1-800 number that is co-sponsored by FEMA and by the Young Lawyers Division of the California Bar Association, They've set up an 800 hotline, It's 866-636-9041, which is specifically for people who have a legal issue or believe they have a legal issue, and that's how um, people can get into the system to be referred out for pro bono legal help.
4: If I can chime in, Katie's relief manual sounds like a great resource for the many planning boards and uh, community organizations that... Uh, exist within the neighborhoods of uh, San Diego. San Diego um, is a big city uh, geographically, and it charters a number of uh, uh, planning organizations and boards who are quite active and have been uh, proven to be effective. I served on one for a number of years uh, in Rancho Bernardo. That kind of document or what um, Morrison and Forrester is doing would be very helpful and, and well-received by those planning organizations. Uh, um, which I think number at least 30, 35, in addition to the separate cities in the uh, in the area like uh, Escondido and Poway.
2: Well, I mean, the, the, they just to mention, the handbook is 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 a, a, it's a 72-page uh, PDF. Anyway, it's it's an extensive handbook. It covers employment, it covers insurance, FEMA, state programs, uh, all sorts of things, uh, government benefits, immigration issues, and it also uh, does list some of these referral agencies. So it's really a, it's really a great resource.
3: It sounds wonderful. Right. Yeah. And we're working on coordinating with as many organizations and groups as we can get it out to. It is available online on our website um at www.mofo.com slash about slash community slash helping handbooks. And I'm working on distributing the hard copies to as many groups um that will have it, you know, that will be working with the victims of the fires.
5: It's available now in English. It's being translated into Spanish and that will be up on the website and out in hard copy later this week. Wonderful. You know, I think, obviously, the human toll and the personal issues take the highest priority. I think as those start to shake out, you're going to see more and more legal issues for businesses. And some of those are addressed in the manual as well. But I think people are going to have business interruption issues and insurance issues and, you know, lost your premises issues. Um, It's obviously a much bigger personal tragedy to lose your home. But people have also lost their businesses.
1: Well, Mark, that's an interesting thing that you raise because we've talked an awful lot about individuals and in single-family homes, but uh, also businesses have been dramatically affected by this, including your business. Uh, do you expect businesses to be filing business interruption claims uh, and litigating those issues with their insurance carriers over the being evacuated, and is that something that's covered? How is that going to work?
5: Well, I know I've looked at our own, and... Um you know, I, I likened it in talking to my partners to uh, having a $499 broken windshield and a $500 deductible. So we have uh, business interruption insurance for the firm. Uh, we probably were fortunate that it probably didn't kick in, although we're still taking a look at the coverage. Uh, but I do expect that particularly for businesses that were impacted much more than we were. Uh, we, were we closed the office for a week uh, and to a certain extent, our lawyers were able to work remotely because our servers were still up, our phone lines were still up. If people were in their homes or otherwise had access to uh, computers and electricity and the like, they could, granted, quite interrupted, but they could work. Um, other businesses are, you know, literally gone uh, and, and very severely impacted. So uh, I'm certain you're going to see some business claims out there.
1: Well, for example, up in the Inland Empire uh, In San Bernardino County, in the Slide and the Grass Valley fires, Southern California Edison, in order to protect the mountain from falling power lines, just turned the power off uh, to the entire mountain and uh, evacuated uh, most of the Lake Arrowhead, Running Springs uh, areas. So the businesses that were up there, like you said, are are completely gone. And those are the kind of businesses that are going to be having to deal with uh, business interruption coverage.
2: It's unfortunate you know, to have to, to, to look ahead to uh, what litigation uh, will, will come out of the disaster. There was actually a, a, an article uh, talking about that a little bit on the uh, National Law Journal this week, um, uh, posted actually for, I think, Monday's National Law Journal, but it's up on their website now, that uh, looks at some of these uh, issues and some of the litigation likely to come out of all of this. And of course, as you say, a lot of it's going to be insurance related, um, but... Um, that's uh, that's something we have to look forward to, I guess.
3: Another area in San Diego that we saw uh, a lot of coverage and a lot of, and eventually some litigation in San Diego after the 2003 fires was fraud. Um, people posing as con- you know as contractors, taking people's money and then walking. And so there's been a lot of effort already, and we've seen some publication public, um, publication of it here in San Diego. Is um, proactive efforts to prevent that at the outset here in San Diego
2: and am a little bit curious uh mark not to uh i i hope this question doesn't sound wrong but but uh, mofo is is not a firm known for you know representing smaller uh, uh individuals and, and homeowners and whatnot it tends to represent larger uh, corporations and, and institutional clients what what is it that that uh, led you to create this manual and to and to uh, uh put the effort into this
5: yeah um it, it... On the one hand, most of our clients tend to be businesses. Most of our clients tend to be of the larger scale. Uh, on the other hand, though, uh, locally, statewide, nationwide, and actually, I just said, our annual partner meeting uh, in New York worldwide, you know, we try to be a real leader in the pro bono area. And, you know, we appreciate the fact we're regularly recognized as a leader in the pro bono area. So that's the flip side of being a large firm with a large client. We have. You know a very, very high value and opportunity to provide a great deal of service pro bono. And, and uh, as you heard Katie earlier, this is you know a continuing effort on our part on the uh, relief manual. We've done it you know in, in New York, we've done it in Louisiana, we've done it in California, and it, it, we'll continue to do those things. And we're actively involved with the efforts that Katie was talking about here locally, and where we, we have offices here in Orange County, L.A. and San Francisco. Um, So at least in the San Diego office, we coordinate with the San Diego pro bono activities, and our people just get actively involved in doing the volunteer legal work.
1: Dan, what kind of experience have some of your clients had uh, as a result of the 2003 fires and now the 2007 fires?
4: Well, for the most part, since most of our our clients are, are like Mark's, um, relatively large and all over the United States, they don't miss too much of a beat in terms of you know what needs to be done um, with respect to litigation or a filing or a transaction. So it's really pretty much the same toll it would take on a you know a boutique law office in the in the middle of downtown San Diego. So it's it's primarily the primarily the same. I, I think what really fascinated me about this whole experience was uh, it is now uh, a week after the, the fire peaked and things are pretty much back to normal. Um, which shows how resilient people are, something that lawyers don't talk about much. But they're not cavalier about it. There does seem to be um, kind of an outpouring of concern about people of all different, you know, socioeconomic statuses um, who, who lost their homes or were displaced or, or lost something, you know, important to them. And then that is that is really interesting. I mean, this was not 9-11, but it certainly brought out everybody's best, uh, best instincts in the beginning. And even now, uh, people are... Uh, Getting back to normal, I noticed it when I came back uh, into the airport on uh, Saturday, except for the smoke and the perimeter of Rancho Bernardo where I live. Things seem to be pretty much uh, business as usual Um, and um, almost as if nothing had happened. And and I I think that's really interesting.
1: Well, we are recording this on Halloween uh, 2007 and so I suspect that there will be a lot of trick-or-treaters out tonight, hopefully uh, not wearing any masks underneath the masks that they're wearing.
2: Well, we are about out of time, and as we like to do before we finish, we like to give each of you an opportunity to give us any final thoughts on this topic and also to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you or get in touch with you if they wish. So, Mark, let's start with you.
5: Well, biggest issue for us here as a community and as an office and an employer and a law firm are the people in the community. And, you know, for those who have been really directly impacted by it, the more that anybody can do to help them out. It's greatly appreciated here locally. And then um, as a business, you know, we're doing fine. And uh, the easiest way to contact us is uh, either through mofo.com, mofo.com, or at our San Diego office is 858-720-5100.
2: And Katie, your final thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'd just like to take this opportunity to one more time give the website where people can find our handbook. It's www dot mofo.com slash about slash community slash helping handbooks. And if anyone would like to um, get their hands on hard copies of that booklet, they can contact me at our San Diego office, 858-720-5100. And
2: in fact, the other handbooks that you mentioned are also available there. They are the also past. on the New York, same the website. Katrina, the uh, Southern California earlier one, and the 911. Uh, Dan Hall, your final thoughts.
4: Well, my final thoughts is that, um, like most human beings uh, in, in these kind of crises, uh, th- this tends to bring out the best in people. But our, our first concern, I think, was, was to make sure that everybody was okay, which people are doing everywhere around California that were affected by the fires, flyer, and you know, then sort of get back to work and serve clients. Um, should people be interested in Hall-McGuire, they should call in Pittsburgh, 412-261. Twenty-six hundred, and talk to either Tom Welshance or Brooks Stevick.
1: Well, thank you all for joining us today on Lawyer to Lawyer. We'd like to thank our three guests. And, Bob, it's a pleasure. and We'll be talking to you again next week.
2: Well, let me join in thanking you, and uh, let me commend uh, Morrison and Forster for the great work they did in this handbook. And uh, thanks to all of you for being on the program.
3: Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank
2: you.
0: Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with Robert Ambrogi and Jake Craig Williams. We hope you'll lucid again. And check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com.
1: The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing
4: Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song.